Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to remind you of last week's big announcement on the It's a Small World episode, where I claimed each and every Wednesday until Disneyland opens back up, you can always find a brand new episode of Disneyland for Designers. Sometimes Jared and I, sometimes some of my different friends from the world of Disney, but all people that come from a love, a professional and a designer's perspective of the park. And on today's episode, Philander's back for us to take a stroll through Disney's California Adventure, another mental stroll through the park, because right now everyone would love to go to Disneyland. And since we can't physically go there, we might as well go there in our minds. But as I announced last week, Disneyland for Designers has now moved over to a weekly slot popping up each and every Wednesday. And I said you could help support this effort by going over to anchor.fm Disneyland for number four designers. And you could support this uh, monetarily if you're in a position to do so. And I have to thank uh, a couple of folks that went out of their way last week to support the show. Kristen M. Meredith gets our Walt Disney Award because she was the original funder of Disneyland for Designers. So thank you so much, Kristen, for jumping on board and saying that you wanted Disneyland for Designers to show up each and every Wednesday. And I'd also like to thank Robin Brown and Maggie Boiler, all three of these amazing women saying, hey, this is something that I need right now. I need to go with Bricky Mouse since I can't hang out with Mickey Mouse, and I appreciate all three of you for supporting Disneyland for Designers. And don't forget, you can become a supporter, too, by going to anchor.fm, Disneyland for Designers, and uh, you can support the show showing up each and every Wednesday. And who knows, if we get enough of them, maybe when the park opens, we just keep this weekly party going. Speaking of which, what do you say we get into today's episode where we're going to take a lap around Disney's California adventure with our favorite friend, Philander Butler. You're listening to the AID Network. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design and you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. My citizenship, as you know, is still pending. Still don't have the button. You may remember going back now, three episodes. We put out our first episode during the closure of Disneyland, where we took a lap around Disneyland with Disney VIP tour guide, Philander Butler. And it was so popular and so fun for each of us to do that we said we've got to do Disney's California Adventure next. And that's what we're doing today. Take a lap around DCA with myself and Philander Butler. And, you know, this guy has such a love for the park and because he is a tour guide, and because he professionally walks the paths, the streets, the thoroughfares of Disneyland each and every day as his job, he just has an insight and knowledge, not for the crude facts of how many feet, how many numbers of churros get eaten every day, but the emotional facts, the heart of the park, the story that is Disneyland 
and everything that encompasses the Disneyland Resort. So what do you say? Let's make this weird world disappear and go away. Let's close our eyes. Let's take our minds and our imaginations and let's go on a quick drive to Anaheim and meet up with a friend for a stroll through one of your favorite parks after a long, normal day of work, which we all wish we could get back to right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Philander Butler and myself, Mark Bricky, taking a walk around Disney's California Adventure. It's episode 16 of Disneyland for Designers. Hey, Philander, uh, so good to see you back at Disneyland. Um, here's the deal. I had a rough day at the office. You know, traffic was a pain to get oh. down here. And I, I just, I'm not in the mood to make a decision right now. So thank you for meeting me in front of the beautiful Disneyland Hotel. Just tell me, do you, do you want to go in the main gate or you want to go in the sneaky, sneaky way through the Grand Californian? Like, how do you want to get today started as we do a lap around DCA? You know, uh, uh, let's go main gate because it feels I like adore. Work if we start at the uh, Grand California, right? <laughs> That's right, it does. But I also adore one of his street. Well, I adore one of his street. Let's get our temperature read. Oh, we're 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 both attractive, but not too hot. We're in the gate. <laughs> We're walking through beautiful, beautiful downtown Disneyland. We're going to wait for Salt and Straw after we're done, after we've did our 20,000 steps. Now, as we go past the Honda, thank you so much, Honda, for parking a minivan here. Rise of the Resistance still rules. As we walk up to these beautiful blue gates, I I have to say, do, do you wish the California letters were still out here, or do you like this vintage vibe better? Uh, I'll give you a two part. Uh, since my name starts with a P, I didn't get to take a fun photo in front of those letters like everybody else. So as a kid, I was like, well, when other friends and people were taking those pictures, I was like, yeah. all right, can we go now? Like, this <laughs> means nothing to me. <laughs> my name has a C in it or my name has an A in it. Um, I like the vintage look specifically because the thing that they were going for, which actually was a really nice thing about that original California venture was that that postcard look, yeah, which you could never see it. If you were coming from the, the, the sides, you know, coming from the Harbor from downtown Disney, you only could see that look going across from Disneyland. So it's one of those things where if you saw it from the right way, it looked great, but I feel like most people I've, you know, coming in from Harbor sure. or, uh, Mickey and friends, they got that side view. So they never were really able to, to to see it the way that it was intended to see unless you were park hopping. And back then that didn't happen that often. And and that is a, a great point about the perspective of seeing mm-hmm. it from the left or the right, because one of my favorite things about DCA, if if I have somebody in from out of town and I'm doing the bootleg all day tour. Don't worry, Disney. I don't charge. I do it for the love of the game. Um, and don't ask me for one. I only do them for people that I love and adore. So I always like to start out at DCA 
finish strong with Disneyland. So in that scenario, we would actually never see the old vintage DCA straight on. That being said, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of purists out there love those California letters. I say to you, go to Sacramento. They're waiting for you. Mm -hmm. But I love that blue color of the retro gates. And I think it does a really good job of tying into Disneyland. Like it looks transportation. It looks like there's Mm -hmm. going to be a train on the other side. And I just feel like it's a real cool, subtle nod of like, here's option A, here's option B. They're different, but in that same wheelhouse. And I think that's really important for the mind. Yeah, it kind of gives you that that look of like I'm transporting to someplace else. Not that the postcard look didn't do that also, sure. but uh, it, it it gives you more of a feel of uh, I'm stepping into, uh, you know, past, present, fantasy, you know, all those different things. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate that. And that blue just pops so well for me also. Oh, yeah. Um, and I love that they get into the act of adjusting it and making changes for like seasonal events. You know, Oogie being up there is always fun. Oh. It is like. Oogie and the Tortilla, so good. So good. Um, One night we waited very late, and this was early in the Halloween season, and I took a photo of me in front of DCA with nobody in the background. Park's closed. There's not a janitor in sight. And I held that photo in my phone until the very last day of Halloween season. And then the next day when I knew the sign had been taken down, I posted that photo. I'm like, where did everybody go? Like, I'm ready to, where did everybody go? I'm ready to get some Halloween going. So as we've just made our way in, uh, avoiding anyone with a stroller, just keep your eyes open. Mm-hmm. You can always find the fast way in. I mean, you know, because yep. today, as we, when you go in with me, bud, the Superman cape is gone. I know. You are deep platted. You were brought down to <laughs> civilian level. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no turnstile, no side gate or turnstile for me. No, I, I, I would just look at you with such admiration when you would just walk up and be like, I got eight. I got eight. <laughs> right in, right in. Everybody's so happy to see how many do you have? I got eight. Boom, right in the gate. But that's over today. Today I got you, bud. So as we come in, I really love the Oswald's fictitious gas station. Mm-hmm. I think early on in an important way, they set a pace once again, similar to main street USA, mm-hmm. but a different layout, a different sort of vibe. I, I love all the buildings here. I, I just, my main complaint about this area is I just mm-hmm. wish, and I understand why it's not this way. I wish it was about one block longer because it feels a yeah. little short and stubby. Yeah, compared to uh, yeah, compared to um, Disney, Main Street, it is it is shorter. Um, no, yeah, you know I, that you're very you're very right. Like, it, give it one more block of stores, and that would kind of set it out. Even if they like the the area to the left and the right that have like the seating area and the garden, if that was just another set of stores, yes, as opposed to kind of, kind of like drifting off to left or right as you choose where you want to start that would kind of give it that extra length uh, to go with it. Yeah, just almost as, wondering. Almost mm-hmm. if you walked in like you were walking into like a plaza and then there yes. was just a thoroughfare <laughs> down the center you could go just to give it a little bit more substance there and that it feels a little light and stubby there for me. Mm-hmm. And especially with your love of Main Street, I know you've noticed that. <laughs> you you want to just <laughs> abandon this and go across the Espananda <laughs> and talk about that for two hours? Because I can. <laughs> When you catch 
the um, the monorail gliding over the Hyperion Bridge. I that that's just a magic moment. Like you go through there, you go past the old uh, vintage car. The the monorail cruises over top. Maybe if you're lucky, the red car trolley is cruising down the street. There is some really good layering, even though it's a it's a tight little area in there. And before we get too far, I want to say this: over in front of the lockers, by the men's room and the, the ladies' room, mm-hmm. those are the most comfortable benches in all of Disneyland because they're both butt and back shaped. Okay, have you ever sat in one of those? Think, I don't think I've ever sat in one of those. You know how most Disneyland benches are like straight and straight. Mm-hmm. This one curves, so your little hiney just sits in this little nook, and then the back <laughs> curves, so your little slouchy spine sits in there, and you're like, oh, I could sit there for days. Best benches in the entire park. I All right. I'm, I'm going to have to make a do to remember that to do that. Dang. I, yeah. I'm trying to think of how I don't sit a lot. <laughs> no, you don't. When I'm, walking, I'm always standing or walking. You, I'm going to ask you a work question, even though I'm not supposed to. Let's do it. The shoes that you wear. Those yeah. don't look like comfortable shoes to wear for 20,000 steps in eight hours. Are are you supposed no. to wear a dress shoe? It's a dress shoe, but thankfully they have a, a lovely like shoe area in our costuming department that allows us to buy shoes that are dress shoes, but in the interior of them is built for all of that for standing all that and walking and yeah. standing. So it looks really great on the outside, uh, and they built it for that on the inside because a normal dress shoe would have destroyed me forever ago and i usually buy just so they look nice we have in our vip office like polish yeah and stuff so they're always making sure they look really nice because they get stuff scuffed up or fire oh sure you know splash mountain or the i get hit with that little water at the end of uh (laughs) matterhorn or whatnot (laughs) uh because we have polish for our deep ends so they keep us looking really nice but yeah those shoes are built to last okay i usually replace them once a season Good, because I was I was looking at your feet. I'm like, I feel bad for this guy. I mean, I, I want to keep him walking, but I don't want to ask him for a minute. I don't like. Don't, I'll go get the popcorn. You don't worry about it. Your shoes don't look comfortable. You know, I always give a shout out to the ladies because they're some of them are doing high heels. Oh, I have um, so yeah, much respect for for women. And so much respect. When I lived in uh, Toronto, one day every guy we were all kind of having just like guys were hanging out having lunch, and everybody just revealed, "Oh, you've gotten that text message where you had to go." meet your girlfriend at a subway platform because her heel broke and you had to go take a second (laughs) pair of shoes somewhere in the city. But, you know, I know it's a matter of time before I end up working at Disneyland. And now you've just Mm -hmm. given me another job that maybe I would be suited for there. What about the cast member cobbler, the Mark Bricky story, where I just (laughs) ching, ching, making shoes for all of the cast members. Mm -hmm. Never get to sit on the stage. I'm just in the back with my big leather apron on and soot all over my face. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you need another pair of shoes, Philander. Ching, (laughs) ching. And it's like really hot in there. You're sweaty. Always hot. Always hot (laughs) at the cobbler's house. It's this tiny little closet of a room. Oh, man. Well, Mm -hmm. podcast over, everybody. I found my new calling. I'm going (laughs) to go apply for that and get hired in 21. So as we cruise down to the end of our, our little area here. Question for you. I love the blue tiles in the fountain, but once yes. again, I just feel like, I just feel like we're slightly off from having that magic moment. And I'll tell you why I feel that way. Mm-hmm. I love Carthay circle. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fountain. I think that it's beautiful. I love all the trees around there. When you, when you catch the uh, five and dime performers, it's such yes. a, an amazing moment. 
but it feels a little bit better when we've got the Christmas tree or the headless horseman over there. Yeah, I love mm. Walt, a young Walt with a suitcase and a dream and pie-eyed yes. Mickey. That is such a mm-hmm. great call to what's across the way. But I just feel like we're just, you know, the street's kind of a little bit off. You know, it's not a straight path. We got that little jettison there that we got to kind of around. Yeah. I, I just feel like this area right here, we're just missing like a punch you in the gut Disney emotion moment. And when the Christmas trees there, I feel it. When the the um yeah. uh headless horseman's there, I feel it. But the rest mm-hmm. of the year I'm just like okay. I'm just I'm feeling a little bit soft. Yeah, it's a pretty fountain. Um and then with the Christmas tree of the horseman being off to the left and a lot of people uh, a ton of people don't really get the 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 emotional like resonance that comes from Carthay Circle also. So it doesn't have the power that a Sleeping Beauty Castle does. Yeah. So if you know if mo- the people that know the the importance of Snow White and premiering at that theater, they understand why it was chosen to oh. look like that. But there are a ton of people that uh that I've hosted that once I tell them then they get it. Because otherwise it's like, oh it's a movie theater. Oh, okay. Like, no, no, not just the a movie theater, like the a linchpin in our company's history, literally, you know, if this doesn't, that movie doesn't work, we may not be standing talking here right now. I, uh, I love taking people and stand them in front of that and say, this is where it all starts. This, this mm-hmm. right here is the beginning of the dream and mm-hmm. the dream realized or materialized, I should say. And how crazy is it, Philander, that that wasn't originally there? Yeah. And, and <laughs> the, 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 the sun, or the 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 uh, people what they call it they call it the hubcap yeah but it was like the supposed to be the sun that told you what time it was mm-hmm. and all that see yeah. th- this is one of the things i'm going to do today so i'm going to be a little bit critical with dca because it's still a work in progress yeah and i'll always give a nod to the imaginarian in that you know yeah this street feels a little short and stubby and there's not that big wow moment for me there but this this story's not done being written. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they went in post construction and they yes. took that footprint and said, you know what we should have did the first time is we should have continued the Walt Disney story. And as you know, my favorite thing is that Carthay Circle and Sleeping Beauty are the bookends of Walt's greatness, right? His first mm-hmm. big win and his last big win. And everything mm-hmm. in between is just a dream. And I, I love that part of the park so much. One slightly critical thing, Carthay Circle could be one story taller. It just could feel <laughs> a little more grandiose for me. Mm-hmm. But what a great restaurant. A, oh, yeah. I wonder if that was a sight line. A lot of people, like, I, I love walking in there because they they don't – it's interesting being on tour with families because they don't really – when they think of a, a theme park restaurant, when they walk into Carthay, they're immediately taken aback because there's – especially if you're not someone who's ever been there before, they – they like are they're amazed that a restaurant like this would be in a theme park. And I laugh and I tell them when you come out of there because it's it's built such in a way that you don't really hear anything outside no. except for if a parade happens to be going by or a show that you forget you're in a theme park. And then when you come out, you're like, oh yeah, uh, I forgot they're in here because it's it's made so well on the inside. It's such got such a beautiful design that that those dark colors, um, that main little area in the restaurant when you walk upstairs, it's such a beautiful space. Um, and people are always shocked that they're like, oh, wow. You know, I feel like they go in thinking, oh, it's going to be a bunch of pizzas, burgers all day long. No, no. You're like, no, it doesn't have to be if you don't want it to be that way. Like this is a 
a very lovely place to dine. I couldn't tell you the amount of birthdays and anniversaries that I've celebrated there because it is one of my favorite places to eat. And I do love that. I'm still in Disneyland, but it's got an escapism element to it because everything kind of goes away. It's a great recharge for the batteries. One time, because it is Disneyland, um, I surprised Beth and they do a birthday cake. So you call ahead Mm -hmm. and you get a birthday cake. Well, the gluten-free birthday cake is a whole different shebang than the regular cake. So they gave us this enormous cake that I paid for, and it was actually affordable for gluten-free cake at a Mm -hmm. nice restaurant. But the thing is, is like, I'm not going to buy a locker and put cake in it. I'm also not going <laughs> to carry cake around the park. So, like, everybody that was sitting around was like, yo, this cake is insanely big. You guys want a couple slices? And I'm just, like, divvying up cake and, like, serving it to everybody around me. And for people that are, you know, lusting after this invite to, to Club 33, I'll tell you this right now. Carthay Circle, as far as its design and vibe, you're in a pretty close zone. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's the exclusiveness of 33, mm-hmm. but you're not that far off on the design and the emotion of it. So if if you only get the Carthay Circle, I tell you, you're a lot further than you probably thought you were. Yeah, and oh my gosh, so much history. Like the not only the way it looks, but what they put on the walls. Oh, oh my gosh, if walls could talk. So many portraits that I people are always like, who's this? Who's that? Why is that here? Oh, this is this, this is that. I have there's so many great uh photos in that restaurant and even when you go into the smaller rooms where they're more updated where you see you know uh the gentleman from pixar winning oscars you know for their films like uh lee or pete doctor a few of them just so much history uh it's such a beautiful space God, i want to be there right now <laughs> when you when, when you're at carthay circle or like steakhouse 55 and, mm-hmm. and you look at all those vintage photos you're like Walt Disney and Shirley Temple, what a time to be alive. Like these yeah. people all knew each other. It's yeah. just, you know, we're so far away from that moment now that it feels like legend, but it was mm-hmm. a real thing that happened. And and I really love that redesign of DCA. The fact that they, they worked smart and said, if over there was the, over at Disneyland was the, the last chapter of Walt. Mm-hmm. The only thing that makes sense is to show the first chapter and the, the suitcase in the dream, yeah, that's really oversimplifying a lot of yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. But it is, <laughs> that's Disney magic at its finest. But it, oh, is really it is a really great, like, shortened motto of the guy came here with the suitcase in a dream and look at everything around us. Look mm-hmm. at 70,000 people, old capacity, having the time of their life. And it's all because this guy showed up here with the suitcase in a dream. Yeah, we're, we're leaving out a couple spots. But, man, oh, man, it is true. It really is true, and I love that forever in that part of the park. Yeah, I wonder what the selection process was for the photos because some of them are, are really great. Obviously, the ones from Snow White's premiere are obviously a big deal. But some of the other ones are just just absolutely really – I would have – God, if I to be on that team that was like, who's going to decide which photos oh. should go in there? I love the one in the lobby down or downstairs. Uh, it's uh, Julie Andrews and – Audrey Hepburn together on the night she won the Oscar. For what Mary a Poppins. duo! And that is, oh, oh my god, that was like they were the that was they were the top of the heap at, when that photo was taken. Those two were the, the the best ladies in the business, and I love that that picture. Just and the same thing like you said, like these people all knew each other, and they're just, oh, it's so good. It was real. It wasn't fabricated. Mm-hmm. Like it was a real time. 
in the city that we live in, which makes it feel even more bizarre that, yo, this happened and it happened here. I do enjoy when you're standing out front of Carthay Circle that if you look down at the curb in front of mm-hmm. the, the restaurant, it's painted on the curb valet. But if you go mm-hmm. further down by the garbage can and the fictional uh, paper stand, it says cab. <laughs> I always love that so much. If I ever am lucky enough to go to 1901, I'm like, I know that I stand by the cab and you guys go over to the valet. I know my place here. I know my place. It's like, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be a plus one forever. <laughs> hey, what do you say we cruise down into Hollywood land? Because if you don't mind, I'd like to show you the most beautiful facade for a bathroom that you'll ever see. You think, oh, is this a great Asian inspired restaurant? Oh no, this is just a facade for a restroom. Yes. Philander, why is this bathroom across from Reward Wieners so beautiful on the outside? It's modeled after a place that actually exists. Tell me and about it. And I this. love that it's hidden back there. That bathroom is a fun one when we were walking guests back there because you can't see it. And it's, it's, you know, the information board. I'm mm-hmm. about to give you one fu- a fun quick story. When guests come and ask for restrooms, the funny thing about that location is you're like in between three. So usually the the job of the caster at that moment is, okay, what restroom can I give you that is the easiest for me to describe? Because I can send you one of three ways. There's the restroom that's just outside of Soren, yep. you know, over in the corner. There's yep. the one we're talking about. And then there's the one that's just up by Wine Country Tutoria, that little like hobble one. I never usually send people to that one because that's hard to describe. So I was thinking, okay, you're in between two, or even if you count that third one at the very front of California Adventure. Yeah, you, there's we a cross really, of them right there. Uh huh. But you never, we never send anyone there because that's like leaving the park. So right. it's always, a, am I going to send you to that one or the other one? Then usually it's the Soren because that one that we're talking about is so hard to get because they get there and they're like, well, where's the bathroom that he was talking about? I was like, well, it's kind of behind the wall. Uh, <laughs> so it's always, that's just a fun, like, I always think about, uh, well, th- which one is going to make more sense to you or where are you headed to next? Yeah, I mean, that would be a good way. We're like, well, what attraction are you going to? And I can tell you to hit one mm-hmm. on the way there. That's I, I would love to be a janitor because I would literally just be like, oh, you folks lost? That's all I want to do is give people at Disneyland directions. When I, see somebody, when I see somebody with a map, I just want to be like, hey, uh, where are you guys trying to go? I can tell you the best way to get there. But I don't bother anybody because that's against the rules. But I would love to. You would be a great janitor because I know you would just be waiting for someone to – Pull out their map and you're like, this is my moment. I'm oh, jumping yeah. in there. <laughs> Let me tell you about the time a man called Walt Disney came to Southern California. Uh, and then sir, 40 we minutes just need later, to pee. they're still with you. Sir, we <laughs> just need to pee. We just need to, we're just trying to get, we got 305 Soren Fast Passes. Yep. You're taking up all of our time, sir. We got to go. So as we walk up here, I have to say, um, there's certain parts of the park where I get a little weird if I see the budgets going in because I have bigger and better plans. Mm-hmm. I hate that I love the sign for Mickey's Philhar Magic. It's so beautiful, but I'm like, guys, yeah. I don't want to be spending much money here. The, <laughs> the, the sign really made this part of the street feel more L.A., feel more yes. Hollywood, more sunset. Um, and it was also very smart because, once again, having to go into the back lot to get mm-hmm. into the Muppets or Mickey's Philhar Magic or whatever movie that was coming out there for a while in the lost years uh, – Letting people go through where that picnic area used to be. This, once mm-hmm. again, this is why you can't give up on DCA. Because yeah. it's always a work in progress. And this makes sense. And soon it'll be hard to remember that it wasn't always here. Yeah, those Muppet Vision and all those, you almost have to wonder, like, do you blame, because I know everyone loves Muppet Vision, do you blame the lack of people going to it because they couldn't find it? Like, what kind of life could it have had if it had that marquee and it had that 
turn right off the main street to go into there. Could it have lived longer, you know, if that was the case? Because I, I, there's definitely a a strong Muppet fan base and people that would have supported that attraction. But when you wonder about the the international crowd or the touristy ones that are coming that just couldn't find it because they didn't make that left turn because they were drawn to, uh, let's say, Aladdin, you know, or Tower of Terror that they just happened to bypass that back area. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, they didn't, you know, we're not, we don't, we're not interested in Monsters, Inc. Yeah, I just, that, that new space is so well done. You can't give up on DCA. That's a great Imagineering where you not only give a flashy marquee that can double for anything, it's just program new entertainment on the top, but you also have a cast member standing up front to talk to guests and you people turn directly into it now as opposed to having to find it you know, around the corner. So good. Yeah. I, I always enjoyed that area and I could see why people would miss it because with the sight lines, the palm mm-hmm. trees, the big blue sky wall, you know, the studio wall at the end, like mm-hmm. all the billboards, everything is telling you to keep going straight. And if yep. you're on a mission to get over to guardians or back in the day, tower of terror, you're probably not going to make that left hook unless you're mm-hmm. in that like total, we've got time to explore. Cause a lot of people yeah. with a limited amount of time, it's head down and get to the next thing. Mm-hmm. The animation Academy is one of those buildings that a lot of people have never set foot into. And yep. when you go in there, like, Whoa, this is such an interesting use of video boards and display screens and mm-hmm. two really fun sort of, interactive um, exhibit type attractions for kids and stuff. And that's one of those things that a lot of people have never even been there. And the the reason why I fell in love with that building is I love the old toy story. Help me uh, out. What the, was that? The zoetrope. Oh, the zoetrope was so sick. Mm-hmm. It was so <laughs> it was. good. It was so good. That's my favorite toy story movie. Mm-hmm. Just that the one. The zoetrope was amazing. It, 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 it without getting too, deep in the weeds on what animation is it showed you in an instant what animation was without even without any questions this is animation right here taking a bunch of still images and moving them very quickly Ugh, it's so it was good so good it almost gave you a stroke where you're like I, I, what, what, what about, and here's the thing i don't care what anybody tells me you can't tell me any different that's like sitting in somebody's living room now. Like, where is that zoetrope? <laughs> where is that at? It, it's got to be like, Iger's like, you ever seen what sits behind my piano? And it's just that big will just sitting back there. Like, I love it so much. He could turn it on with his, like, his phone or remote or something like that. Hey, watch this. You need a Toy Story? I got one for you right here. Perfect Iger. It sounds just like he stepped in the did car. You, did you make it in there before they removed uh, Ursula's area down there? Did you get to see that? No. And you know what? I, I'll i be honest. I've never mm-hmm. done um, Crush. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've never really... It's just never worked out for me to do... What is it? Crush's talking... Tur- uh, Turtle Talk with Turtle Crush. Talk, yeah. I've never, I've never done that yet. I always enjoy that because it's one of those things where you get... When you get people involved, you always get a different show out of something as opposed to obviously Fantasmic. Is, as great as it is, it's always the same or World of Color is always the same. When you put people into it, you get that like fun thing where you never know what's going to happen. And watching kids... Um, interact with that. Uh, and even when Crush gets the parents or people, the adults involved is really fun. And I have a much stronger love because I had an opportunity to go behind there on a tour to see how it works. And then I love that it is the simplest thing in the world. Also, mm-hmm. um, it, it uh, it's, it's the person that's doing it is do, using a PlayStation controller in the back to move Crush around. <laughs> 
And I love, and I love the simplicity of that where you are, I think your brain, just because of WDI imagines this like almost over elaborate, like the way people look at Haunted Mansion, like, oh, that has to be, you know, this thing, but nope, it's just this little arm moving past a shadow. That's all about past a light. That's all it is. The but easiest way is always the right way. It. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. like, and you, one thing that blew my mind, because when you fall in love with the perfection of Disneyland, you, you kind of think, well, like all this stuff is like built in a magic factory. And then as I started living out here and, you know, I would post about stuff and my podcast caters to a lot of people that are in the world of design. Every now and again, I'd get like tagged in a photo or somebody DM me and be like, I painted that sign. I'm like, you work for Disney? I'm like, no, we're the company that makes the signs for Disney. I'm like, other people are making the stuff. <laughs> and so you just like, you forget that yeah. it's all put together in a way that makes it feel imaginary or like it comes from some other world, but it's all fabricated right here. So yeah, a, a PlayStation running something, there was a moment where I would have been like, mm. once again, like a zoetrope stroke, but it makes sense mm. to me now. Question yeah, watching you- those cast members work. So the cast members controlling crush uh, while talking and looking at the feed of the, the people in the room all at the exact same time. Wow. Like what a skill. They are, they are so amazing. And they're the only thing they're not moving is um, the the mouth that's just moving based on the cast member talking. But every other single motion that Crush does, all those moves, and is the person moving him around. And if you get a chance to see it when it comes back, when they added in newer characters from like Finding Dory, so like uh, uh, Hank or Dory will swim out as well. But those were all pre-recorded ones, so. When Dory swims out, the cast member controlling Crush is interacting with a like already pre-done. Whoa, that's element. risky. Yeah, which you got to be in nuts. that pocket. You have to be in the pocket because you know Destiny the whale is coming in, or or Bailey or Dory is coming in, and Crush has got to interact with an already pre-recorded thing. So they, God, those cast members are are just awesome. They're improving, controlling Crush. Uh, and looking at that feed at kids and stuff and finding little things to talk about all in that like 15 minute show. You want to talk one day at Disney. What an insane job that is, right? Like what do you do for a living? Eh, it's too hard to explain. I sell popcorn. I'm the janitor that gives guy. long directions. So question for you, as we, we pop out of the animation building and we look at all these beautiful buildings that we could go find up in uh, Los Angeles. And in fact, right now, that's what Phil Anders doing for work. He's just throwing people in his car. He's driving around. <laughs> he's giving them the un, the unofficial DCA tour in L.A. So you could book mm-hmm. one of those by going over to Philander at PayPal.com. But question for you, <laughs> the back lot, we've got some big buildings here. Stage 17. Mm-hmm. That's pretty big. I know you guys use that for some Intel insider stuff. I've seen that in the blogs. Stage mm-hmm. 12, what happens in there? Nobody knows. We have the Dark Ride for uh, Monsters, Inc. Big mm-hmm. building, maybe an attraction that doesn't need to go to the 100th year anniversary. This is a big, <laughs> big footprint. My question for you is, what do you want to see here? Like if they bring you back and go, you know what? You're no longer a tour guide. You're the guy who figures out where things go. What a title. What would you like what to see title. here? Cause I know I have a very strong opinion. What I think would fit here, but I'd love mm-hmm. to know what you want to go there. Ah, uh, that's a good question. I remember that for a time I was 
uh, I was actually okay with. Do you remember when they were speaking, or at least there was a rumor at the time about turning that into a whole monsters area? Yeah, uh, and doing like a that, roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And having uh, Harry Housen's sushi restaurant that they ate in, that was going to be a place to eat there, if that was true, of course, at the time. And that kind of would have fleshed out an actual monsters area that would go along right next to Hollywood land. That actually, with the restaurant and tied in, um, was really exciting. Gosh, I'm trying to think of what I would put back there. Because there's a part of me that doesn't want to lose the Hollywood land portion, because you're, you know, there's the California part that you could make this work in a really lovely way. Like, there was even a time when I, uh, had wanted there to be a version of Great Movie Ride at uh, mm. Walt Disney World to be there because that fits in very well. Just obviously, you could put different films there as sure. opposed to making a carbon copy of the uh, right. the Florida version. But yeah, there, I think there's a small part of me that wants it to stay Hollywood Land, but find a way to navigate that with. Um, it doesn't even necessarily need to be IP, uh, like some kind of like film or animated thing that we're doing at the moment but to find a way to keep hollywood land and have that be integrated in i think parts of hollywood land really work that mark Huey talked about the the hyperion the the, the broadway stage beautiful the animation theater. academy beautiful theater absolutely yeah, beautiful like that works so well for me that i would love to turn that back lot area over to some really elaborate dark ride and just take the whole that whole space over really because if it if we don't if we can, if we lose monsters, like you said, if it doesn't make the hundredth, um, that's just ample space for a very elaborate dark ride, which DCA needs more of because we they have two. If you don't count, um, if you don't count racers, which it kind of is one. If you don't count Midway Mania, which that you know you could say it's yeah, a those dark are different ride genres you know. to me. Both of those are. Different genres, both of those rides. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the dark portion of Cars is Act 2. That's the bridge to get you yeah. from the stroll, the casual Sunday stroll, into mm-hmm. the race. So that's an important part of the story, but I wouldn't call it a dark ride. And then I would put Midway Mania into the, the game division. The gamer Interactive. Yeah. Yeah, if, you, if, that's the, if that's the case, which I do agree with you on, that's you got two dark rides in uh, California Adventure and on a company where that is, you could say, and I'm sure you would agree, the bread and butter. Um, Nostalgia. They need, yeah. yeah, they need, uh, that area needs, I would turn that over into a dark ride. Ooh, what would it be though? Do you remember the um, the crazy rumors that they were going to grow the park out mm-hmm. in that direction and they were going to get rid of the the buses the and bus all, area. and just mm-hmm. grow out that way and reroute the monorail when they were going to be doing the other, the parking lot that would come in from the Eastern side, uh, the, 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 the green belt, whatever they were calling that project mm-hmm. for a while. This is, this is my dream for this parcel of land. If I could do a little bit of amateur imagineering, let's hear it. I think we're giving Marvel way too small of a footprint. Yep. And I think that Marvel could grow over in that direction as well. And I mm-hmm. think Hollywood, you know, the sunset in Hollywood, I don't think that has to change too much because superhero movies always take place in an urban environment. Yes. And I don't even mind if Frozen or whatever Princess, uh, you know, current show is in the theater because of a movie theater or a ballroom in the middle of a superhero area 
only adds more realism to it because they're always having a villain that's going into the fundraiser. You know, I mean, look at the first Avengers yeah. movie when Loki shows mm-hmm. up in Cleveland, Ohio, out of all places. Yep. So <laughs> I feel like it could go that way because I love Star Wars. I know that you're the type of fan that thinks it's a religion, but <laughs> Marvel, it's a really, even more so than Star Wars, it's a multi-generational property over 20 something successful movies all in their own right Mm -hmm. and i just think that if you want to pick something that's really going to scale and has just levels and levels of fans that are going to want to keep bringing their kids out and their kids out i feel like that is a no-brainer and it could scale over there in a nice nice way that would really Mm -hmm. really make sense that being said shocked that mickey's runaway railway didn't go over there also shocked. Yeah, I had actually never thought about that. That would fit in. I mean, wow. Even with the marquee they have, the El Capitan Theater, that fits right in Hollywood. It would have yeah. just fit in. And it also makes this park feel more like the West Coast version of Hollywood Studios with mm-hmm. those type of things. That is true. Well, we'll only know. We'll only see. I will say this. I love the facade of the Monsters Inc. Uh, yes. attraction, I love that layering of that. Here's here's the thing, they didn't have a lot of space. Genius mm. workaround with what you already had, right? Like building mm. into something that already existed. I love that. I'm a fan of that attraction for whatever reason. The I don't know the character's name. Forgive me. But the mm-hmm. lady that heckles you when you leave oh, Roz. <laughs> loves me <laughs> yeah. every time. Young man in the back seat. I like your sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Like always has something to say to me. Every she tells time. the lady that your husband was looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Do you remember when they did Olaf in that in mm-hmm. um, stage 17 and they let kids in California sled ride down yep. a three foot pile of snow and every kid was like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> the Olaf Snowfest. So sad to see yeah. that go. Frozen Fest. I'm, I'm, it was like Frozen Fest or Frozen Fun. Yeah, that they had for when the first one came out. Oh, that was fun. That that whole little area in there being like a, a winter village market mm-hmm. was so great. All right, as we were walking up the backside of Hollywood Land and we're looking at Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which I thought was a prank until I actually saw it. <laughs> I think you were not alone. I was like, Everyone was like, guys, we're not uh, doing that. That's that's a that's a leaked image from WDW News Today or whatever. That's not really going to happen. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, here it is. <laughs> and I have to say, as much as I love Tower of Terror, and I really loved how Tower always complimented Carthay Circle. Yes. Coming up in Grizzly Flats and seeing the two of those hugging each other, it was just such a great spatial yeah. relationship. But if I ignore... The way this building works with the rest of the park, building inside of something that already exists, I was blown away when I paid 200 something dollars to go to the premiere night when you mm-hmm. can ride it as many times as you want to. After three times, my body was like, I think we're done here. Because <laughs> did they plus that or what? I mean, yeah, Tower was great, but Guardians is exhilarating the yep. amount of times that you go up and down and with the music playing, like they really did a tremendous job plussing that up for generations to come. Yeah. That they, it was such a great, God, okay. I, cause I got to talk to people constantly and I know you did the same thing. It was a boy when they released that footage 
And they told that I was saying this, the amount of Viteral. And I get it because Disneyland or just the company usually does not take away attractions that are, you could still get a two hour wait on on busy days. Yeah. That's just not a thing that happens. So things that leave, leave because I like to tell people that visit, they, they leave because you essentially told us that you were done with it because the attendance has gone down. So you all in a way have kind of put the X on this attraction in certain cases. So to have it leave, have tower be taken out was like such a, a huge blow. So it's always still fun to this day to, for me to kind of slyly look at guests when I'm on tour with them and say, are you one of the people that were mad when tower left? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, are you okay now? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> Where they were like, uh, this is still good too. I mean, if you give people a good second option, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll warm up to it. And I, I think people really enjoy this attraction. You know, my only complaint is it's, it's relationship, you know, the sight lines all around the park yeah. because the other two is the perfect one, two punch. But I guess at some point, most people are looking for better ride versus better sight lines. I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. in that bizarro fan category. I understand there's a, I would say, I don't see bizarro. I mean, there's like a core. There's, and there's I get a restraining order against me in Disneyland right now, but I'll get back in. Don't <laughs> worry. I'll get back in the park. Well, I will tell you, I always give a hot take to people every once in a while that talk about, a lot of people talk about how ugly the guardians building is. And I'm like, okay, it's not super pretty either. No, that like oil refinery look, you know, I, I get it. It blends. It, it works for the story. But I was a person who actually never really I loved Tower of Terror. That was my favorite attraction in California Adventure. I never liked the way that it looked. I don't mm. you know, with it becoming an addition to California Adventure and not planned like we've talked about before, planned into the actual park itself. I've never cared for that, like blown out old looking building where it's all kind of destroyed because it made me think back to. Walt's comment about Haunted Mansion of say it. Yeah, you got to We're going to keep it looking nice on the outside. The ghosts are going to take care of the inside. I personally would have loved it to look like how it did before the lightning struck uh, and have them weave the story in that way. So make Hollywood land a version of it where you're you're visiting this hotel to maybe stay the night on the night that the actual instead lightning instead of hit. going back in time and mm-hmm. revisiting. Yeah, yes, that would have been great. Of going to it, I feel that would have me personally flowed better with Hollywood Land of you visiting. This is Hollywood Land, 1939, and you're you're checking into this stay. So the hotel looks like a beautiful hotel on the outside, and then the hit happens, and you're a part of it as opposed to looking at a. Uh, a Twilight Zone movie of it having already occurred. I like your idea. I, I like. Yeah, that a I lot. never, I never cared for because you can see, you could see Guardians and Tower from Main, not from from Main Street from Tower from Town Square. Yeah, you could see it from Big Thunder. And I was like, this is just a huge building. And when you look at WDI, the way that when we when WDI builds big things like huge two hundred foot tall two hundred foot tall things, it's always castles or mountains. It's always castles or mountains with the very um, with the oddball being like Spaceship Earth, that's like a huge thing. It wasn't a castle or a mountain. Right. So very rarely they build things that are so massive you can see them from all over the park. Uh, so when they choose to do it, that thing has got to have like a very strong purpose because you're going to see it from literally everywhere. And to make it be a blown out building that looks like it's falling apart was such an interesting choice. And I get it for the ride itself. Um, but I've always like, uh, that building and every, every time anyone told me that building is like, I'm like, well, tower was not the, the, the butte, you know, either, you know, it was, it was probably, you could say better looking than guardians, but it wasn't pretty. Also the first time I saw mission breakout at sunset, 
I was like, well, mm-hmm. maybe my opinions are a little wild here because the way that the sun reflects off of all the like mm-hmm. copper work and stuff on it, it's really nice. But I would always tell people, you know, when I would go there with people that had never been there before, I'm like, here's something you got to keep in mind with Disneyland, why it's different than your average amusement park. Most amusement parks just have the universal ride where you sit on something and it shoots you up in the air and it brings you back down. Mm-hmm. If they do that at Disneyland, they build a commercial building around it because Tower of Terror was literally like they built a full-on commercial-sized tower that you can mm-hmm. see from the 55. It's one of my favorite icons to be able to look over like, there's the park. And Beth always mm-hmm. laughs at me. If I'm going down the 22 <laughs> or the 55, like I almost break my neck. She's like, you've seen it a hundred times. I'm like, yeah, but I want to be seeing it now too. So I, I've made my peace with this, but one thing that I really, really enjoy is the fast pass um, facade across the way, like the old yes. sort of ticket gates mm-hmm. that doesn't need to be that fancy. But it is, and I appreciate it. I love the way that that looks right there. It's so nice. Yeah, I, I and it's. I I would love in a perfect world. I would we would still have Tower of Terror and maybe like some other type of Guardians attraction. But I love that it's still such a great attraction. I tell guests all the time: if WDI takes something out, their job is to make it better, or at least give you a comparable experience. Yeah. You know, and then they did their job. You know how you feel about the new thing personally is good, but as long as you have fun on it and people love the fact that it has multiple options, it changes during Halloween. Uh, there are more drops than it was when it was tower of terror. They're rant Like they did everything they could to ensure that you would really enjoy this newer experience, let alone the story fact. But those are all just technical things where randomize it, give it multiple versions, you know, um, all those extra things really kind of tie in basing it around a really popular property is awesome too. But um, it was fun hearing a story from an, from Imagineering where they had said when they were really deciding whether or not they were going to actually do it, they listened to a lot of feedback from guests asking about the attraction and the thing they didn't hear about or the thing they heard the least was the theming of the attraction itself. When people came out of it talking about it, no one talked about the fact that it was Twilight Zone. They always talked about the drop, yeah. the dropping. Yeah. That was the biggest part that they loved. So I always joked with guests saying, well, if you love the drop, then it doesn't really matter what they theme it around. I would jokingly say they can make it a Mary Poppins drop ride and you'll still have fun on it because they'll play some kind of story around it. And oh, when the, the cherry, that- cherry blossoms start <laughs> dropping and you fall with them, so good. <laughs> But that would, that's what gave them the confidence to move forward with it because no one, as much as we all love the Twilight Zone thing, um, no one, the, the masses that wrote it um, really just loved the physical and the thrill of it as opposed to what it was based on. Yeah, and as we, as time moves on, you're mm-hmm. getting more and more people that have never seen Twilight Zone. They yeah. don't know what it is. And I think that it's, you know, I think it's super important that the park feels relevant generationally and that things are themed after items or or characters that feel relevant to people. So I, my only real complaint was Mm. just the facade and I've gotten used to it and you know, it looks cool at night. I'd always kind of dreamed that as I'd always dreamed that as the Avengers campus went behind it in what is currently Mm -hmm. a parking lot for cast members, I'd always dreamed that whatever would be built back there, 
it would be built in a way where you know how when we're standing in front of Guardians and we look over to the left, we we can see a mm-hmm. gate. And one of my big complaints yeah. about DCA is you see lots of gates. Disneyland, you never see out. You never really mm-hmm. see where you guys all go. It's always behind a, a hard, like yeah. you got to turn right and then left to get out of the park. Mm-hmm. I always dreamed that that gate would take us behind Tower into another, like, cul-de-sac of commercial buildings you know superhero type in you know Mm. a a downtown area and that at night we would gather around in that area see a projection show on the back side of the building which is flat because i'd always dreamed of seeing a spider-man projected flying across the back side of that yeah i didn't know it was possible to make a robot spider-man that you could shoot 60 feet in the sky i was dreaming too (laughs) small philander because i'm an amateur (laughs) imagineer if you give me a little bit of budget, though, and you say, what do you want to do in this part of the park? I say this. Can we build a little bit more city facade on the mm-hmm. backside of the theater so that we don't see the stairs and it's hidden? That yes. The stairs and the side of the wall where there's just the random Mickey Mouse painting, that, mm-hmm. that little corridor over there, the theming gets a little bit light for a second. And I, yeah. I would just love to see that little corridor like perked up a little bit. But I think since we're using our imaginations and we've now hit a dead end because there's a construction wall in front of us, mm-hmm. we should go and take the red car trolley back to the where we started. But oh, red car. My question for you is this while we're waiting for our turn in the trolley. Do you want to tell anybody about some of the things they might want to look for the next time they ride Guardians of the Galaxy in the pre-show room? Oh my gosh, the pre-show room has got so much stuff in there. Oh, ah, what are we going to see? Tons of tower references. Those are great ones. My favorite one, my favorite two references in that room are the collector's desk. There's the book about aviation with birds. I forgot the title of it, but the author was Rody, which I love for Joe Rody having worked on that attraction. That's such a throwaway one. And it's so tiny. Like you would never, let me look at what the books are that is around the collector's desk, but it's that level. And you know, that level of theming, which is just absolutely immaculate. I will, most guests would have never seen this. I'm going to take you back real quick. It is, it was the thing that made me really appreciate uh, even more. So the level of theming that WDI goes to for even stuff that you can't see. So it was in the, it was back when those tower of terror was the lobby when you were standing in the queue and you walked the lobby, it's all dusty and dirty. There was a table in the very far kind of back left corner of the room, too far for anyone that's standing in the roped off queue to see. Yeah. But because I've been in there as a cast member and walked, I got to walk. Well, there he space. goes again. Humble brag. Uh, oh, t- <laughs> <laughs> um, getting to walk in that space. There is a, there was a desk in the far corner, like of where you could say someone back in the thirties, who was staying at that hotel would write like a a, a letter, like a post, uh, you know, a letter to send to a loved one. And on that, on that desk was a letter that you could read that a lady was writing off to some family member about her stay at the Hollywood tower hotel. Now, again, this is too far for a guest to see, but they still put it in there, which I'm still blown away. Like you could not see this. I even looked from where you were standing and the letter talks about, this lady staying in the Hollywood Tower Hotel that night when the lightning struck, and she's saying, oh, my gosh, the hotel is so beautiful. I've seen so many celebrities. This is so amazing. And then towards the bottom, as she's getting to the end of the letter, the pen mark, like, shoots off, like, all erratically. And after talking with Imagineering about it, 
that was the moment when the lightning hit the hotel and her she jerked the pin and got scared and got up from the table. And that level of storytelling, that level of storytelling. And this cannot be this could not be seen from the queue. But they still someone still put it there is where is why they are the absolute best at their job. And it's stuff like that. It's stuff like the roadie. It's stuff like them even tying in the infamous uh, alien X tech uh, alien encounter at Walt Disney World. How Tavon has a letter on his desk where he's talking to them about that, which ties two attractions from two different uh, resorts together. Just, That's wild. Yeah, just just the fact that oh, Tavon is talking with someone that's in Walt Disney World. Like, of course, why not? Of course, he is. Like, it's amazing having the that specialty Mickey in there where it's a tin toy. Depending on what room you go into, it's a mini and the other one. The only the, hidden mini in the entire the resort, right? Mm-hmm. Just it's little stuff, and then oh my gosh, if you're a Marvel fan, it's just crammed with stuff in there too. Seeing the Hydra coin, uh, uh, the helmets, even the I love they have there's a case for Nick Fury's eyes from uh, Captain Marvel, which is down there. And I want to know when that was put in because I definitely recall seeing that case before Captain Marvel came out where you see him kind of picking out what eye he wants to get if he didn't want to take the patch. But yeah. now I'm like, when did they put that case in there? <laughs> I I love that room so much. And when you were nice enough to show us a lot of the different things mm-hmm. and turn your little flashlight on and be like, I, my, I was like, I, it was one of those moments where I wish I had Matrix superpower <laughs> so I could slow down time and be like, whoa it's all right here because before i was just an idiot I was like yeah there's swell bottles when you go up to the next part i didn't know there was that much in those pre-show rooms and the one with the hidden mini is the pre-show room that'll be to your left so if you can get in there mm-hmm. and you look around in the cases you can find the hidden mini but let's while we're talking about this the first time that i saw rocket come out ugh, genius in storytelling Whenever Mm -hmm. you do layering in your storytelling, you create things that feel more real. And when he ducks around the pipe that is only there for him to duck around. I adore that. I adore that. One of my favorite moments. And you watched my video today. I have Mm -hmm. that scene in there because Mm -hmm. I love that pre-show scene so much. And this new idea that Imagineering's hung up on of doing shows up above us. I yeah. love it. I love that mm-hmm. Hondo's up above us and that Rocket's above us and that Ray and BB are yeah. above us. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that sightline because everybody gets a good view and mm-hmm. they can do so many things like have characters ride on tracks that we can't see mm-hmm. to create movement that's more fluid than what an animatronic is capable of. It's him. It's I, anytime an, uh, an animatronic can do something with the physical environment around it. Like just that subtle duck that he does underneath there is so wonderful because they didn't have to. I don't, I don't know if that pipe is there for like a necessity's purpose or if it was for story. That's it's the fun thing. Like story, that they work around be. that. Yeah. Like just it's so well done. Um, I love that. My favorite thing about Rocket, which isn't even about him, was the fact that he made it to opening day and no one knew about it. That was my absolute favorite thing because there was such this judgment on Guardians of the Galaxy when you first walked in because people were walking in there like okay, this is the thing that they took my beloved thing away from. Let right. me see. Oh, this room kind of, this front room with the big TV, it kind of looks the same. And then, oh my gosh, here we're going to come in and there's a TV and I'm going to watch something like how I watched Rod Serling. But when Rocket popped up, you could just see it. Every time they were like, 
whoa, this is different now because we put an animatronic in this room. And that was the moment everyone was like, okay, all right, I'm paying attention now. Like, this is vastly different. Because they could have very easily, like, if you've seen that room when it's in its B mode, when Rocket doesn't work, they have a fun thing where he comes on the screen instead so that they don't have to shut that room down. Right. And it, uh, credit to Imagineering, every, when when, it, when they first were installing that, a lot of my friends are like, oh, my God, that thing's going to be broken down every time. I'm like, and he, it's very rarely where he's not working. Like, I, I think in all my times of being on there, which has got to be in the... I would say since it's been open high hundreds now, close to thousands, I've only seen that B mode maybe four times. Wow. Uh, which is a testament to the engineering of that animatronic. That that whole ride is pretty pretty secure. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it'll break down every now and again, but for something that's doing what it's doing and how aggressive they were able to like oh, yeah. turn that ride up. My favorite thing about Rocket is I'm just happy that Bradley Cooper got some success. Yes. That too. It's about time, right? I mean, nothing's gone right <laughs> for that guy. I'm just happy for him to have a little success. <laughs> now that we're on the red car trolley, doesn't it just feel good to like ride through Disneyland? Like it's great to walk through it, but to just ride through it at this leisurely pace and the trolley has all of the vintage sign, like all the fonts, yep. all the signs are perfectly dialed in. And now that our ride's done, I'm going to have to ask you, do we want to go straight into radiator or hold on, do we want to go left towards Radiator Springs, or do we want to go straight towards Grizzly? Is it Grizzly Flats, Grizzly Peaks now? What is it now? Uh, technically, the whole area with that redo they did is Grizzly Peak Airfield, which ties both areas together with the airfield and the Grizzly Peak. That's the, kind of the whole name. That Before it was the Grizzly Peak and Condor Flats back in the day when it was like yeah. the, the desert. But Grizzly Peak Airfield is like, a whole, I, let's go there. Right. I, I love I love when they redid it and turned it all into one massive area together because I can tell you that like desert into redwoods was was way too harsh of a transition, right? Yeah, yeah, that was a tough transition. Very similar to Walt Disney World or Hollywood Studios when you go from Toy Story Land into Galaxy's Edge. It's such a like a whoa, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I'm. I feel so blessed that our park Mm -hmm. isn't that way, and that we have three pretty nice thoroughfares. To yeah. like let you breathe from Fantasyland into the Galaxy's Edge or, or Critter Country. And when I looked at uh, the release in Florida, I'm like, whoa, you just right through a tunnel in your Tinker Toys? Like, that seems yeah. pretty extreme <laughs> to me. I've recently become a big fan of smoke jumpers. I like that I can go in there and pick my own toppings and generally yeah. get a nice place to sit outside. Mm-hmm. That That's a really great little area. I love the old vintage car that's parked across the way from us. That's a nice little vehicle of the resort. Um, that car has got some great stuff in it too. Duh, detail, detail, detail. Well, throw us one dog. Don't tease me. Um, the, God, the, the station wagon is supposed to be for family. That's obviously traveling, you know, and that's how a lot of families did a lot of their yeah. travel back then. That station wagon and God, the, uh, they have stickers from the places they've been on it. And one of the stickers is for the, um, uh, mine train through nature's wonderland. So the family has like a sticker on it saying that they have been and visited there, which is oh, it's just absolutely stunning. What a callback. Like, what a callback. Um, there's another one for Humphrey, the bear who obviously runs, he's part of that store, but they visited a location where he was. The license plate is uh, red one ten for Roy Disney and his birthday, uh, January 10th. That's amazing. The, the map that's, sh- that's right next to it. I love that um, map. Has the, uh, 
Whistling Sherman, you know, like uh, it's something Whistling Sherman, something for the Sherman Brothers, like the obviously the music. Yeah, from this, Small this, World. so many little tiny fun things in this uh, in this one little station wagon. And again, it did it need to be there? Yes and no. Like I adore it. How many people walk by that wagon every day and they're just like, eh. you know, just I just love that they they are truly doing this for themselves. And me and you and a few others that are listening, the Bizarros who are. Like just digging I for joking, it. Yep. I jokingly say to family and friends, like, I cannot wait to get into new areas because I literally am going to lick the walls. When I jokingly say, because I'm going to look at every little thing. Oh, they put some numbers here. Oh, that's probably not just some numbers. Oh, here's a little painting. Let me look at this painting that's, you know, the size of my hand. What do they write on this? Like, just, what? I mean, on Smoke Jumpers that you just talked about, they have the little advertisement for Camp Inch from uh, uh, Parent Trap. See, you you are just dropping so much stuff about a little area that most people just are always cruising mm-hmm. right through to get to the next thing. Yep. One of the things that I like about Humphreys is it's merchandise offering. Like all the stores carry like a lot of the similar core product, but there's mm-hmm. a few stores that have a little something different. And I love that they sell seeds in there. And and yes. that would be such a roadside mom and dad are driving you down highway one and you could stop at some place and be like, Look, little Billy, you can get seeds and you can grow this when you get home. The side fun fact, did you know that there is a patent trademark Disneyland rose that was created for the 50th anniversary that mm-hmm. you can buy either the rose birth and, and put one in your front yard or you can buy the seeds for the Disneyland rose, which is a nice sort of like peachish soft pink type color yeah they have that bed of them in toontown and in new orleans square i want to say there's maybe there's a third one i know for sure those two but it's it's a beautiful flower and it's the name of it is actually mm-hmm. the registered Disneyland Disneyland rose. rose oh my mm-hmm. lord what a name for a band <laughs> <laughs> so when we come over to soren which i think is one of the greatest rides ever made mm-hmm. i absolutely adore it I always kind of, if, if you don't get stuck in a long line and you can kind of pace to that music, you really feel like you're getting ready to fly. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That epic music's planted there. But here's my dream, Philander. Tell me what you think about this idea. I would love that if you go left, you could soar over California. And if mm-hmm. you go right, you could soar over the world. Because soaring over California, and I'll tell this to people that have... I call them privileged that have always lived in Southern California. (laughs) If you're a real American and you're not from here and you come out here on your vacation and you do soaring over California while you spent time in California, it is a life changing experience. Mm -hmm. And one of my greatest memories is when my wife and I came out here, we weren't living here yet, but we came out here and we got our house and I had a key on my belt for a house that I wasn't living in yet. And I immediately mm-hmm. found Mickey ears to put on the key. And I'm like, this is my California house. This is my Mickey mouse house. And I remember us soaring over California and I held my wife's hand and we both had tears in our eyes going over the state that would soon be our home in six weeks. Uh, and that's awesome. that attraction, the way that it sold California and its promise to you, it was fantastic even though the los angeles part always made me sick i oh my god oh yeah the like super sped up going down the 405 it's like oh the 405 like, is always a curse even when doing it in disneyland <laughs> yeah that uh, 
the biggest joy of being one of the biggest joys of being a tour guide is to get to take people on that. And I know, you know, because you love to walk around and show people that visit. So getting to see people see that attraction for the first time is, is such like, it's the one attraction where people are regularly either they've teared up on it um, or they're, cl- they always clap at the end and you don't get a lot of clapter. Oh. You don't get a lot of applause. I initiate end. that. Because at the end, when you fly over Main Street in Disneyland, mm-hmm. like it takes you to Disneyland, Disneyland. in yeah. the ride, and the fireworks go off over Sleeping Beauty, like you want to clap because it's like we're here, like we're here mm-hmm. for the day. Oh, don't even get me started on this, man. That could <laughs> right now with no Disneyland, that could just break me apart right now. It's I'm already day to day with my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a yeah that was that back when california adventure first opened that was the reason you had to go over there if that was if you did one thing it had to have been soren because they the park had the, only the three e-tickets when it opened uh and that that was the one as long as you did that was the thing that made it like okay like i can kind of see what they were going for my father um never went to disneyland as a kid never went as a mm-hmm. young adult in fact, we have an interesting relationship where I've taken my parents to Disneyland versus right. the other way around. Mm-hmm. So I took the old man out there and, uh, you know, he's not a big crowds guy. He's not a rides mm-hmm. guy. He's, he's a truck driver who's slightly cranky. And um, <laughs> I took him on that attraction when, he, when we got off. He goes, Marky, that was amazing. If, man, if we mm-hmm. have time, I'd like to do that one again. And we did. And that is my dad's favorite ride and he'll sometimes just yeah. bring it up he's like oh like he's like hey, what, is that ride still there like i'll just be talking about disneyland like i always do and uh mm-hmm. he'll be like is that ride still there where you smell the oranges i'm like yeah yeah sort of california is <laughs> still there yeah he loves that ride so as we we stand right here a really interesting use of space was during the uh oogie boogie halloween mm-hmm. celebration which i think curse me for saying this but it really fits well in DCA. Yeah. DCA's got the wider walkways. It's it's just got a little bit more forgiving spaces than what the original classic does across the way. Mm-hmm. When they had this little area where you could walk down the side yes. of Sora. It was a Maleficent was back there, right? Yeah. It yeah. was mm-hmm. it was cool to be back there and not be like back there because it's like a two hour wait. But mm-hmm. That area back there was great, and I was excited to be back there because a friend of mine went on one of these behind-the-scenes tours that mm-hmm. members get, and he started telling me this wild stat that if Soren wasn't built down into the ground like it is, yep. that it would be as tall as the Tower of Terror. And mm-hmm. that blew my mind that that building is that big, but they dug it low to keep the facade of the, the air hangers or the airplane hangers. Yeah, fun stat. So if you you know when you first walk into the building, either standby or fast pass, if you stand and essentially look at the building from where about your head level is, like average height, that is the height of where the the sea level raises to, where you're standing and looking at it. That makes sense. Sea level, yeah, of the seats. Mm-hmm. So see the bottom row, if you're standing and looking at the building from outside of it, right next to it, C gets up to where your face is about right there. Wow. That ride system too. If you ever get a chance to, if you ever get stuck on the very, very end, 
it does suck because the Eiffel Tower looks wacky. But <laughs> if you look over your left or right hand shoulder, depending on which way you're at, and you and you're in the top, because I always try to ride on the very top row. If you mm-hmm. look over your shoulder, you really understand how high up in the air you are. Yep. And with the way that that takes you into the movie screen, I bet mm-hmm. a lot of people, if that were outdoors, they'd be like, no way, no way yeah. am I doing that. But because they never show you the magic trick until you're flying, mm-hmm. you have no idea how high off the ground you are. Right in the corner next time, look over your shoulder and you'll be like, this is crazy. I can't <laughs> believe it's this big. Yeah, or even people that don't know, they don't think about the little drop-off where it goes down an additional like 15 or 20 feet. Yeah. Uh, and then you're going up even higher than that because you're up very, very high. But like you said, if it was outside, people would be like, no dice, I'm not doing it. But you don't really get that sense when you're in there because you're almost pushing the screen. And even how cool that the screen is, that curve, because I've told guests so many times how this wouldn't be nearly as cool of an experience if the screen didn't have a curve to it. Because if you just watch this same video on a movie screen at a theater... You wouldn't get it, but because if you're sitting in the rows, especially row one, and you look down, the image is curving under your feet, which gives you that that actual sense of forward movement as opposed to just staring at a bunch of images going on the screen. You can look down and see the water going underneath your feet, which gives you that like forward push that you're doing. When you're going down the creek where those guys are fishing, Mm-hmm. You would almost swear that if you put your feet down, you would just like yep. s- ski across the top of the river there. Like you're, it feels that real. Just ski across the water. Yep. I always laugh when I'm doing soaring around the world and you see the pyramids because once somewhere I read that the closest business to the pyramids is mm-hmm. a KFC. And I always look at the pyramid and I go, <laughs> there's a Kentucky fried chicken right over that thing. How crazy is that? I, I, it is a fun image seeing, I think that's Cairo, how close you are to something that was literally the so ancient and you have like a city right behind it right there. I know that, that part, that part is really interesting just to think about the history of all of that. And Mm -hmm. I will say that that one's that scene, scene for scene, that's probably a little bit better than the, the Western scene of of the California. But I do love that little, like little, like cha-cha in that song, you know, the cowboy (laughs) guys, I like that little part of the song in there. You know what I'm saying? You can dance. Mm-hmm. As I saw from your Instagram today, that was oh, a wild. That was a wild. <laughs> hey, I have to congratulate you. It really seems like your Instagram has been growing steady for you. It's nice to, um, yeah. That wasn't even the intent. Like I, I just love talking. You know, I are cut from the same cloth. I just love talking about it. So realizing that, hey, you know, people would probably appreciate this because I'm I'm this person that just likes talking about it. People are always worried, family and friends, like. Oh, I don't really want to ask you about your job. I'm like, go ahead. I, I, I enjoy it. And I have a job where I talk about my job all Mm -hmm. the time because people are always very curious about it. So I'm like, let's do it. So seeing everyone enjoy hearing about these things, or I know the look that you see on people's faces when you show them some incredible detail that they missed. I'm like, well, gosh, I know people would love seeing this otherwise. So I'm like, I am being inspired by people like you who are doing podcasts or posting, Oh, look at this fun thing at Disneyland or, so I'm like, I'm sure people would love to hear this. So posting about it and seeing how much people enjoy Disneyland, and they already love it, for them to get that extra level of appreciation now, to show them that so much care and thought and effort was put into this, that's the part that I have been appreciating the most, is really pe- opening up people's eyes to this next level of Disneyland, you could say, this next layer, this thing you didn't even really know was there. Like, it, you thought you knew, like, oh, there's hidden Mickeys. I'm like, oh. 
there's more than hidden Mickeys. Look at this last name on a book in Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you know who that is? And you're like, whoa, you know, and then it makes them start looking. And I remember telling a guest, one of my favorite guests I host on tour, I told him at the end of the day, (laughs) at the end of the day, I'm going to have you looking up and down a lot because all the best stuff is above your head or below your head. Yeah. It's never, it's never like in front of your face. The, and the storytelling they do above the, mm-hmm. the crowd sight line. That's where all the best stuff is. Starlet is. So we have somebody uh, on the phone here who wants to challenge you because he thinks he knows more than you. I'm going to bring on Disney Dan. Hey, Philander, oh. my name's Disney Dan, and I just want to say, did you know that there's a basketball court above the battle horn? Did you know that? Did you know that that's the tallest structure in all of Anaheim, and that's where there's a basketball court? And the only reason why there's a basketball court there is because Walt Disney has to say that it was for a sports arena, and that's how they built it there. Did you know that, Philander? I don't think you know everything, sir. All right, Disney that's Dan, my... thanks for calling. <laughs> that, I can see you. So, as you can imagine... I've, I've been touring for eight years. That comes up every once in a while where it's, I get the family member who's like, oh my gosh, you know, Dan here, he knows everything about Disneyland. And I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, so I, you know, but sometimes the family will push it as like a challenge to me, which I'm like, I don't like that. You know, I, it's, it's such a weird thing. It's and a I'm gross like, thing okay. And it's yeah, they 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 want to like say, oh, you know, he 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 knows so much about Disneyland, and you could tell the stuff that they're telling me is like where you Google ten fun facts about Disneyland, and then they tell me those ten fun facts. Like, did you know there's a private restaurant in New Orleans Square? And did you know that there's a basketball hoop? And it's like it's those things that like yeah, a huge good chunk of Disney fans know, but it's like the really nitty gritty things. Like I tell them like, hey, like I this is my job, but I love this stuff. Like. I'm the guy who knows every attraction that opened the year it opened in Disneyland. Like I know that because I'm interested in it, not because it's a job. Like I love it. So I'm constantly consuming it. Like I'm thinking of you and your late night reading, you know, when you first moved out here, like I, we are consuming it on a level where we find it entertaining. Like it's the more a part you pull on the thread, a, the more you find, uh-huh. you know, and that to, like to me, I love the YouTube video that continues like yeah, over and over. Yeah. I, and the thing that I'm like you, when people give me these like sort of like soulless facts, <laughs> did you know there's a garbage can every fifteen feet? I'm like, I don't care about that. Like, I care about mm. the the storytelling. Like knowing that Joe Rody's name is in the book as the author. That you know he was the guy that had the vision of, of redesigning that. Um, mm-hmm. I love that part of it. You know, when I yeah. discovered like, wait a minute, these aren't just windows on Main Street. These all have a purpose to them. Mm-hmm. that is where I really get sucked in. So to me, it's more of like the storytelling of the park versus these like mathematical, yeah. emotionalist, like, you know, I don't, I don't need to know how many pieces of wood are in the Mark Twain. You know, that's great. <laughs> that's I, that, what we tell new, new guides that are training all the time. Like people appreciate learning fun things about Disneyland, but what's the story behind it? Like you say, did you know that Walt Disney lived in that apartment? And then we're like, when they're trained, they'll tell me a fact like that. And I'll say, that's cool. Why did he live there? What's the story behind the fact? Did you know the Matterhorn is 147 feet tall? Okay. Why did they make it? What's the story behind the fact? Not just soulless numbers. Like you said, this is the tallest thing. This is the widest thing. This is the heaviest thing. This is how many gallons are running through Splash Mountain. Like, where's the story behind the fact? Like, what's the thing that's going to hook the people? And now you've got them. Like, 
oh, he lived here because of this, or this is this tall because of this. Yeah, this, you know that. What's the what's the story behind the fact? You you bring up a really good point because when I try to romanticize and sell people on the park, I try to think about like imagine Walt would work up at the studio all week and he'd come mm-hmm. down here on the weekend to supervise the construction and just imagine Disneyland being your like lake house that you go to on the weekends <laughs> and, and you ride a bike around and be like, Hey, uh, what do you guys do with the jungle boat ride right now? How's this working out? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like that's an unbelievable, like most people would be like, Oh, my gardener doesn't know where to put the cherry trees, but he's just like rolling around me. Like, so we think we can get a riverboat in there by next week. I mean, it's just an, when you break it down into that, these are real people and real things that happen. It's yeah. mind blowing. Um, as we stand over here in front of the Grizzly River run, I have to say, I've never rode this before because I've never stayed at the Grand Californian, which would be the caveat. If I was staying at the Grand Grand Californian, I would run down, I would crush Mm -hmm. this, and then I would go back. But, brother, I ain't looking to get chafed. I ain't looking to walk around with wet (laughs) Japanese denim all day long. I'm not doing it. Nope. And we – so – in. For our VIP tour guides, we allow them to do water attractions. We obviously caution them against specific ones like Grizzly River Run uh, because of how wet you can get. And we're obviously, I'm wearing my lovely suit and the plaid that, and me getting doused in. Do you uh, sit that out? Yeah. So I usually do not do it. Um, I have s- sat in the front of Splash Mountain one time while on tour, and I paid for that. But it was for a these a tour with. <laughs> what a, a pick these a plaid vest in the girls. front. We're balling. <laughs> Look who's in the front of our log. <laughs> But it's tough. But yeah, Grizzly River Run is such an interesting thing for me because I want that attraction to be so much more than what it is. Like the area around it is beautiful. Um, it's a fun rafting ride, but it is just like every other rafting ride you could do anywhere else. There is there needs to be something else in there. There needs to be an animatronic. There needs to be see that's the there thing. There needs to be something. That's the thing. When I first moved here, and someone's like, "You want to ride that?" I'm like, "So is there like?" There's bears in the mountain, right? They're like, no. I'm like, why would I why, why do I want to ride this? But that being said, <laughs> it would be hard for me to imagine it not being in the park because one of my favorite places in DCA, it used to be the Trail of Tears, the old smoking area. <laughs> but now that's not there anymore. And walking on that back pathway and getting to just like you can hang out in front of a waterfall with basically yep. nobody around you or going down to that little area where you can see the people doing the, the, the drop like yes. that extension of the path doesn't need to be there. That whole back thing. If I'm leaving world of color at night, I'm for sure blazing that back yep. trail. It's mm-hmm. so nice back there. It really does feel like you're in the big Sur area with the redwoods and dude, Christmas time with the oh. Mason jars hanging everywhere. The Mason jars. Yep. And this year, they finally took proper advantage of how spooky that could be for Halloween. Mm. And I mean, the Grove, Villains Grove, Villains Grove. Mm-hmm. I went to Oogie Boogie opening night. Mm-hmm. I got in, got my wristband, and I immediately went and got in line for the Grove. I was maybe yep. the sixth person in line because I thought if I wait in line for this while the sun's still up. I, nobody's going to care about this now. And when that thing came to life and I was one of the first 10 people in there, I was going so slow that I was probably the 10th person in, but probably the thousandth person that walked out of it. (laughs) And you're going to know what I'm saying here, Philander. 
at, at the very end, like it was cool seeing all the lights. Yes. It was cool seeing the thunderstorm and the trees that they did mm-hmm. with projections. But coming around that last scene with that music playing. Yes. I thought. And the mist and all the the, the uh, projected lights in that area. Yeah. That's what it feels like to die and go to Disneyland heaven because <laughs> the way the music was playing and walking into the tunnel of light. And I purposely, you'll like this super fan move. I waited for a group of girls to walk by, not because I'm a creep, but because I knew walking into the light and seeing the silhouette of their Minnie and Mickey ears would be the perfect vignette to follow in. Cause mm-hmm. I always love at night when you can just see silhouettes of people having their ears on yeah. like on the train by small world. And I was in that area and I'm just like, if if I'm dying right now, it was, it's been a good run. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's been great. And hey, with the way 2020s went, maybe I should have just went into the Disney yeah, light right that, then that, and there. That was your moment. I should have taken it. <laughs> but oh man, you want to talk about an amazing limited engagement? Our mutual yeah. buddy Jared, I have sold him a ticket to Oogie Boogies just based on doing just the on that. Just on that alone, he's never done it before. I'm like, dude, you go do that and just go home. You'll be a happy guy. So yeah, do you think would they ever take out the mountain? Like, would Big Thunder be here for? Or I'm not sorry, not Big Thunder, but would Grizzly River Run? Like, is this a forever attraction? Because it it's so built into the park, I can't imagine yeah. it ever going away. I feel like it has to be for a couple of reasons. The how it frames the park, yes. You know that huge middle section is such a part of it. Part even if you don't. Like notice the Grizzly Bear Mountain part of it. It's just a such a, a, a framework of that land of the whole the whole park itself. It's the spine. The mm-hmm, the um, the fact that it's the only water attraction. Well, I think we'll keep it there forever. Really, to tell you the truth, um, and that area is just such a well. I, it's you know without having Imagineering have to do too much work. Like if you think of uh, Buena Vista Street or Cars Land. It is such a beautiful area that you can take pictures in that land, that that area, and convince someone that you went up to Northern California this oh, past 100%, 100%. weekend, and they would they they could not spot the fake in there if you took it in the right areas. Speak, and speaking that's of the right for area, Imagineering, yeah, they did they did what you could assume the least amount of work, but created because it's just a lot of trees, a lot of wood, a lot of trees, a lot of dark like browns. The least amount of work, but created one of the most beautiful areas of the park, especially like you said during Christmas. Didn't now have you? I forgot to ask you that. You've walked down there when it snowed, right? When they made it snow. Come on, come on, man. come on. Were you talking to an amateur? Were you think I don't know that there's a basketball court in the Matterhorn? Um, speaking of standing in the right spot, when you stand up at the the head or the the start of San Francisco Street, and you look at the the sawmill there. Mm-hmm. The way that the trees are perfectly carved and how yeah. the water is dyed, that's one of the, the best vignettes of, of the entire park. And something I like to point out to people when you're on the other side of the, the mountain there, where you know, mm-hmm. you're standing over in between uh, the, the mountain and where Avengers Campus will soon be, I always point at that rock wall with the waterfall. Yes. And I say, mm-hmm. another amusement park would build a big wall or a fence. So you couldn't see the other side. Mm -hmm. Disney built a mountain through the middle of the park to divide it into two and to create perfect sight lines. So even though you're standing down there, getting your photo with Donald duck, you would have no idea when you're on the other side of that, 
you feel emotionally so far away from Carthay Circle. You could throw yeah. a football and hit it if you had half of an arm. Like, And mm-hmm. I love that when you go on that back trail where the Trail of Tears used to be, yeah, and you look past where we're allowed to walk, it is literally just real brush going mm-hmm. all the way up the side of the mountain. Like if you were adventurous and you hopped over it, like you could, I will scale the side of this thing. Like it oh, just looks so it. real. <laughs> Not me, sir. I am a citizen of Disneyland citizenship pending. Still don't have the button. You know, okay. You, you know, do you know the backstory for Grizzly River Run? Like the, the, the story of that mountain? No, tell it to like, me. Win, win me over. It's, it, it's the thing that makes me, slightly miffed that they didn't like go further in on that. So it's another one of those funny, I need to do a little Monday thing about it, but it's, it's right. It's right behind almost, okay. You know where the, where the lockers are. So the lockers where you can put your stuff in, there's a a big rock that's in the ground right there. And, and etched into the rock is the story of Grizzly Peak, like why it's a bear and all this stuff. And it's this incredible story that WDI came up with that no one knows because it's just in this tiny rock. Like I said, looking down and looking up that no one sees it's they walk on past plaque? all the time. It's, it's, it's on a rock. Carved in the rock? Mm-hmm. It's like carved into a rock. Why have I not noticed this? I love this. It's super tiny. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna send you a photo of it. Um and it's super tiny and it's extra rock. You have to bend down to read it because it's not meant to look like it was carved by like all perfectly. And it tells a story, and you're gonna have to forgive me because I'm paraphrasing and I don't know the names of a fox and a bear. The fox is a mystical fox. And the bear is protecting the mountain from, you could say, man. Let's say man that is cutting down trees is protecting um, uh, the mountain. And then the fox, who's like a you know a spiritual fox, is has given the bear that task to protect the mountain from people who are trying to cut down trees, pollute, whatever you want to say. And the fox, at the end of the story, again, super paraphrasing here. I got to reread it. He, the fox turns the 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 bear into a mountain to keep people forever from going up to do that, like logging or whatever it is, which is why when you ride that attraction, when you actually go through the mountain, you hear a bear roar because it is that bear that is the mountain itself. That's why it's shaped like a grizzly. And that's not mentioned anywhere in the attraction at all, besides that tiny rock. And not only that, like when it first opened, it had that, um, the, the the ride had that like that surfer dude thing where like a like a those like California guys have like taken over it and they were like hey dude welcome to Grizzly River Run you know yeah and then now it's not like that anymore but still there's nothing of that story anywhere besides the bear roaring when you go inside in the mountain and I wish that they digged into that a little bit more and they didn't and I'm gonna have to send you a picture of that rock um, but it's such a great story that That's I think could have been story. really really been done there was a rumor years ago where tony baxter when he was still there had wanted to add animatronic bears into the into the attraction at some point but you know whether that was true whether he could get funding for it you know who knows but i really wish they could have done more with that as opposed to just that rock and i love the rock because it's fun to point out everyone asks oh, they think it's a bear because of california venture but no 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 there's a reason why that rock is a grizzly bear it's from that story that's written on that rock down there. I do love that they put a Christmas sweater on the big carved bear. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things ever. Hey, you know, I I really, I love this uh, attraction being here. And it's, it can be one of those things where, like, I've never wrote it, don't really plan on doing it. 
but I mm-hmm. appreciate like the yeah. peace and the balance. And I understand that, you know, everything can't be like crazy loud ride mm-hmm. and it creates that sound barrier. And it's really funny when you look back at retro DCA, they really thought that that mountain was their sleeping beauty castle. Like they yeah. really, it was really, in everything. They thought that, was, that the logo. was the icon of the park. And, mm-hmm. um, as we'll realize the next time you and I get together, it would end up becoming the Ferris wheel because unfortunately everybody, what do we not like about DCA? Philander and I got here after work. It's nine o'clock and it's already closing. This part closes too early. So we've ran out of time. Next time we get together, we'll have to go in the Philander at work way, rip over to the paradise pier, look at paradise gardens and go over to Carsland. So much for us to talk about on our next journey. But everybody knows DCA closes early, and we didn't get here early enough to get our uh, World of Color tickets that let us stay for an <laughs> extra 30 minutes. So now we have a very kind guy with a flashlight telling us we got to keep going. I'm like, but he's a plaid vest. And he goes, I don't see any plaid vest. And I go, oh, no, <laughs> Philander gave away his superpowers to hang out with me again. <laughs> before we part ways today how you doing man you doing okay like i'm i'm really really missing the park but dude it's not only your love affair but it's your career as well you doing all right i'm doing great i could tell you that as i've been telling people great in these crazy times and i think the thing that's uh, is tiding me over is Knowing that it's not, I think it's knowing that it's not gone. That's the one thing. Like if, and that there's no way it could happen, you know, because in this crazy world we live in, entertainment of that nature is will always be desired. The crazier the world gets, the more people are going to want to distance itself from them, th- themselves from it with entertainment. Like I'm not looking at it like Disneyland is gone forever. Like it's there. It is unfortunate that we cannot use it, but. I'm looking at it like I know it'll be a time when we get to go back. I'm not sure when that is, but the thing that's keeping me going is um, it's been one great to spend time with family, which I love um, uh, getting to spend all this time with my daughter uh, and my wife. But two, I'm getting to catch up on a lot of the things that um, uh, books and things I didn't get to read uh, posting on Mondays, um, listening to podcasts. I'm going through your old back catalog right now, Jared, which I love. I still have to listen to the small world one, but all this extra time that I've had has allowed me to get into projects. Some of them, a lot of them Disney related ones that I've been just holding back on because I've been so busy that job, as much as I love it, took away so much time. I mean, I'd have, um, 13, 14 hour days there. My longest tour I've ever had was 17, 17 hours. I want to say, wow. I met a family at seven 30 in the morning and I, left them at 12:45 the following that family uh, knows how to disneyland that's <laughs> that's my kind of i wish they would adopt me that's my kind of family i love that yeah that was like an open to close they were from australia too they were such a sweet family and they um uh they didn't know if they were coming back that flight from australia is killer so they wanted to Get go big so yeah they they put everything into that 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 trip they bet it all you okay. know what i'd like to say about you guys mm-hmm. Bet it all on plaid. Yeah, bet it all on plaid. I would say that too. Um, But seeing the 
outpouring of love and the creativity of people who are on Instagram and social media and everything like that. That's been such a fun thing. Um, and seeing the way that the company is also doing things like donating food and creating all this extra at home entertainment, like seeing the Dapper Dan's singing at their homes. Dude, that was like that. so magical. Like that mm-hmm. caught me off guard. Like I just kind of like push play and I was sitting here working and immediately I'm like, Oh, whoa, this is something special. And I like mm-hmm. the whole world stopped and I, I got that Disney feeling, but not being at the park, obviously. Yeah. So seeing how the company is like, uh, is doing these fun little things to tie people. Like, cause yeah, that's the part of me that knows there's this contingent that is ready to storm the gates because these people are, uh, including myself are almost like frothing at the mouth to get back, which is why I know it, it, it's not going to be this ghost town, you know, and they may have to, you know, if they try to limit people, they may have to <laughs> kind of bucket because there's going to be, there are, are people that are ready to go. And they're like, if I have to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. But I, I, I want to walk down main street. I want to buy a churro. I want to do these things. But seeing that is always, that's been like a really good uplifting thing. Um, uh, and it's keeping my, like my mind fresh talking with you helps a lot. Thank you. Uh, cause I've been telling, uh, a lot of family and friends that the thing that I noticed the most that changed after I stopped being there was that the stimulus of my mind working had was starting to falter because every single day I'm either working on some training thing or I'm talking with strangers I'd never met before about Disneyland. So my brain is constantly doing this thing where I am not only hosting them, storytelling to them but also planning their day for them at the same time so my brain is on this constant thing so in the moment i wasn't at work and it wasn't like a vacation where your brain is getting stimulated in other areas i was like oh this is really weird so writing on mondays and writing like i've been loving to post like fun anniversaries on my instagram page as well like yeah hey, just your, instagram, a reminder, your instagram started out as mondays but it's almost becoming like a seven day like intricate mm-hmm. post i'm loving it and i've been enjoying um posting like my little throwback Thursdays on like fun things that I've gotten to do with the company stuff that I could share at least yeah, like uh, dancing on the Hyperion stage or, you know, being at the Mary Poppins returns, you know, world premiere, like fun anecdotes that come from that, which allows me to l- stay a part of Disneyland, but also kind of share with people how, uh, how much I love my job one and how fun it is to do what I do or even just work for the Walt Disney company. So those are the things that kind of get me by, and just reminding me, hey, you know, Tokyo Disneyland is 37 today. Huzzah. Hey, Disneyland Paris is 28 today. Yeah. You know, hey, this is uh, Mark Davis's uh, birthday. You should know who this is if you're a Disneyland fan. Yeah. He's kind of important, you know. <laughs> kind of a big deal. He's kind of <laughs> he's kind of a big deal. Well, I'll say this to you. Um, I know you didn't have a lot of passion for your job, and I also know that you weren't very good at it. So I hope you get mm-hmm. called back. I hope they bring you back to the team. Yeah. I, I know it could be day-to-day right now, but I, I would encourage you to try to Show a little bit more passion, you know, let this be a lesson for you. Have you felt like me, Philander? Have you felt like, and I know you love the park. There's no doubt about it, but there has to be every Disney extreme fan goes too many days in a row, or Mm -hmm. it's just kind of the chaos. And like, I'm not in the mood for this right now. Mm -hmm. I hate myself so much for ever allowing myself to feel that way. You know what I mean? Like every trip, should have been the sacred trip that it was because I got high on my own supply of having unlimited mm-hmm. Disney. And I thought because I thought because that this is always attached to my phone 
that I could just go whenever I want. <laughs> and I didn't count on this AP ticket would not get me in when there's no park to go into. Like I just mm-hmm. I think about what a charmed life that was to just any hour of the, the day from 8 a.m. to midnight. You could just go and cruise Disneyland yeah, for an it was hour. A playground. What a what a luxury mm-hmm. that was. Well, I look forward to it um, coming back. But as you know, I'm now doing this every Wednesday until the park opens back up. I'm ready. I'll probably regret that 50 episodes in. But <laughs> what do you say now that, you know, we've been talking this whole time and here I am. I'm parked on Goofy, so I'm getting ready to go up the escalator and uh, say goodbye to you. But what do you say we get together and finish our DCA lap? Oh, yeah. We got to talk about. Yeah, we have we we cannot not talk about Cars Land, uh, and the Paradise Pier. We have to talk about oh, Paradise Pier, Pixar Pier. We have to talk about all of that too. Like, there's a lot that goes on over there. That's my favorite place to eat over there. We have to talk about too. Don't get me started on the magic of World of Color. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. I adore that show, but that's a different conversation for a different time. Hey, and I thought. We were laughing like, oh, it's DCA. We, there's no way we could go two hours. Do we? An hour and a half and we only did half the park. This is this is why I could talk to you forever. There, it's an unlimited. God, even if we just went beyond, because we didn't even get to what DCA was like. And I, this could be, that could be a whole other podcast. Absolutely though. could. Well, hey, I'm uh, doing these once like, a week, so there's plenty of bandwidth. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, citizens of Disneyland. My citizenship still pending. Don't have the button. We couldn't get around all of DCA because we love it so much. And, you know, I just want to say this. I'm a little bit critical at times of DCA because, as I said in the episode, it's not done yet. And I love the evolution of this park. And I believe that this park, what I refer to as the locals park, the California park, I believe in its ultimate greatness, and I see each and every year Disney and its Imagineers and its staff always take a step forward in making this park better and better. And I love that we got so into all the details that we couldn't even make it around the entire park. And everybody knows the hardest thing about DCA is that it closes early. And as we get into this ticketing system, where locals can't always go to Disneyland, but they can always go to Disney's California Adventure, I think it's about time when the parks reopen that we petition for a DCA that stays open as long as Disneyland. Don't shortchange us. I mean, if we can't go to Disneyland, at least give us late night DCA. What do you say we all get back together again real soon with Philander and finish our lap, knocking out Paradise Pier and, of course... Cars Land. Disneyland's not back open, so that means Disneyland for Designers will be here again next Wednesday, and you can help support that effort by going to anchor.fm Disneyland for Designers to support the show. Next week, Jared will be back, and we will look at the facades of Fantasyland. Oh, yes, you're right. That is a very specific and a very deep dive, and that's the type of conversations that we love on Disneyland for Designers. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to share this with a friend, somebody that you know is probably missing the park right now. Tell them that you're enjoying this show and that you'd like for them to take a virtual lap around Disneyland with people that love it 
just like you do, just like you know they do. Thank you so much for listening. And until the next time I see you, friends, live the magic every single day. Talk from here just real quick. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Uh, Disneyland is your land. That, that is the best microphone check I've ever had after like 1,200 <laughs> recordings. I do that all the time uh, on uh, when we're doing media, and they maybe text the mic before we start on the radio, and I do that, and they always laugh. Oh, that you, mean, you, you would get it. Oh, I mean, are you, are you kidding? I sit in my car and play that before I leave the Mickey and Friends parking structure. Like, I, I play that opening day speech with six people clapping in the background. Yay! With the guy, the one guy. <laughs>